we doing? That's good. Lots of smiles. That's 8.30 people weren't smiling. They were still waking up. <laughs> so good to see you here. Welcome and welcome to those online. We're so glad you could join us. You know that you've just been told my name is Janet, just checking if you all got that. It's a name given to me by my parents. I've used it all my life. But there are, yeah, if some people don't like their name, they find another one, use that. But I've been happy with mine. When I was in primary school, there was two or three Janets, a couple of Janes, three Susans. My best friend Sue was Susan Jane, and I'm Janet Sue. So the <laughs> names come and go. And at that time, they were obviously the names everybody wanted to use. And uh, the teacher was happy, just say one of those names, he got half the class's attention. So it was pretty good. But my brother, he named me Weed. <laughs> That's what brothers do. Been watching Bill and Ben, the flowerpot men, so he'd call me Weed. I was pretty little. But my last name was Mollet, so I, I was Molly, yep. Jim just reminding me. Right through primary school. Then it became Jolly Molly. Thought it was over, got to Bible college, up it came again, Jolly Molly, that was my nickname and that's how I became Auntie Molly, Molly this, Molly that, I've, Janet just disappeared. You know, sometimes we have titles of relationship like daughter, sister, auntie, mum, my grandma, which is cool. And names are often uh, identities or descriptions and, and the place that I've just uh, recently left working and I was worked there for over 20 years I could in my office I would hear someone say ask Janet and basically what I was saying was ask she who knows where everything is because if you've been there for a long time I knew where everything was so that was my title they might have said Janet but what they meant was she who knows where everything is now, we're going to um, have a look today in further into the Gospel of John. We're doing a series, more Jesus More Than You Know, and we've done the Gospels up to here. We're into, this is our second week of John. And John is choosing to unveil all that he has learnt. So this was written late in his life, and he'd had all that time to consider all that he'd seen. It was an eyewitness account all that he'd read from others that had recorded, all the people that he had talked to. He had revelation from God on the Isle of Patmos. He had looked down at the Old Testament, this covenant that he had, those scriptures to consider, all the knowledge that he had, and then he writes the Gospel of John. And it's like he said, I've joined all the dots. It all makes sense. And he Right in John chapter 20, he says, it has, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Awesome. So my title today is Jesus, Yahweh, I am. That's his name. And the number seven is really prevalent in um, the Gospel of John. The seven symbolises things being perfect and complete. And John was very particular about how he put this Gospel together. And he listed seven titles given for Jesus in the book of John. And they are Lamb of God, 
Son of God, King of Israel, Son of Man, Messiah, Rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth. That's quite a list. They were all there, dotted throughout the first few chapters. But seven times he also recorded Jesus saying, I'm he, I'm the one. Just in the events of the stories as he's telling them, he'd be saying, yes, it's me, I'm the one. Because there was definitely been a question by many, is he the one? What does he mean when he says, I am he, I am the one? And there are also seven descriptive statements where Jesus clearly claims, I am. And when he says it, it's very much understood by those that are listening. Hey, wait a minute. Is he referring to, is he saying, is he saying that he's God? And that's exactly what he's saying. And then coupled with those are seven miracles, which John refers to as signs, because it wasn't, he didn't record the miracles so that we would get excited about miracles. He recorded those miracles and he called them signs. They were pointing to something. Every one of them is pointing to Jesus saying, I am he, I am the one. Many commentators describe these signs as openings of the window of heaven, where heavenly realm and the windows opened and God visited and his power manifested on earth, like an intersection between heaven and earth, windows into the reality of God. So I think we should head back for a little bit of time, back to the Old Testament, to actually have a look at I am that name in the Old Testament. So our first name for God mentioned in Genesis is the word El, and that actually just means God. It is the term for God. And some people took that name and added it to their children's names, like Samuel, Michael, Daniel. That El is God, God's name, and it means God is present with that child. That's the prophetic way they they named their children then there's the name Adonai which is Lord Master Owner Ruler it's definitely a title it's a role a position but then there's the name Y H W H which is four consonants where that name is the personal name of God. And it's related to the verb to be. He exists. He causes to be. I am. We often translate it in English as Jehovah because it was held in such reverence that they didn't, couldn't pronounce that name, couldn't say it out aloud. And Orthodox Jews would often jump and put something else in there, like a word that just means the name, or Adonai. And when compounded with other terms, we've, we've heard this name, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Shema. These names we have heard many times if we've been around in the church for a while. He is, I am your provider, I am your healer, I am your victory, I am your peace, I am your shepherd, I am present. 
but always at the first, I am. Names in ancient Israel were so much more significant than how we use names today. They were, they were names that, that depicted the person. They were names that prophesied their future. They were names that could be used in place of the person. A divine name symbolised divine presence, like a substitute. And people would call on the name of God and they would be calling on the power of God like they were one and the same. But the most famous time of we heard that name I am that most of us will remember and think back to is in Exodus chapter 3 and we know that it's Moses out in the wilderness looking after sheep minding his own business sees the fire burning on the bush but the bush not disappearing so he comes over to it and God spoke to him but then in verse 5 it says don't come any closer God said take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God had heard the cry of the people and that is why he's come to Moses at this time. And he's telling him, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh it's showdown time. I am Pharaoh. It's time. God said to him, I will be with you, which is a good thing. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, suppose I go to Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Because they've been in slavery for a while now. They don't know him. And he, and he, and he said, what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And the significance of that statement is incredible. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Here God is declaring his name. There isn't any other way to describe God than I am. There's nothing more equal to him. When he says I am that I am, it's like there's an equal sign in there. It's not I am good or I am holy. It's I am that I am. Nothing is equal to him but himself. He has no rival. I am also carries with it all the weight of I am here. I am present with you, Moses. I'm coming with you. We're doing this. I am. It came with all the power. There is no other power that is equal to I am and we're about to prove it to Pharaoh it comes with his full attention compassion and care he heard the cries of the people and we know if we keep reading in Exodus that he fulfilled everything that he promised 
He declared his power to Pharaoh in the sight of Israel and Israel suddenly knew who their God was or they began to see. He delivered them from their slavery. He protected them from the angel of death during the Passover. He parted the water for them so that they could walk through. He led them in the wilderness, fire by night, cloud by day. He fed them manna. He gave them water. He delivered them from their enemies. He was present in their tabernacle in all his glory. He gave them his law to show them that how they needed to live so that he could show them that they needed redemption. Moses understood this name, I am. The people were just beginning to find out who he was. But the name of God was held in absolute reverence. And it was a fearful thing. In Exodus 33, Moses was talking to God and he says, if your presence doesn't go with me, then do not send us up from here. And in verse 19, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said to him, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. This is our God. He is awesome. So the Lord said to him, There's a place near me where you stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is the I am of this Old Testament, of the Old Covenant. God always intended for them to for them to worship him, to exalt him, to fear him, to understand his, plen- his splendor, his power and his goodness in all of its entirety. And when I was studying this, I was thinking about God, sometimes we we worship in such a, a complacent manner, and I'm thinking about how awesome our God is. When he says, I am, it says to me, he is near me. He is mine, always. When he says, I am, I am grateful because it means he knows everything. So he knows me and I can be loved and understand and and worship him. I can trust him completely. I can depend on him. There is nothing else that I can desire that compares to him the great I am. He is sovereign, therefore I can trust him. His name is his promise. I am that I am. So that's Exodus. Let's move over to the book of John, which is where we're going to dig. John wants to make sure that we understand that Jesus is not like God. He's not a representation of God. He is not a derivative of God, but he is I am. Jesus is I am. He is the divine one, the word made flesh, walking around, the one that Moses couldn't look at, 
the one that Moses had to take off the sandals off his feet, the one that Moses needed to be covered so that he could not be burnt up, the one that Moses, when he saw him in, uh, in the second time he took the, the stones up to, um, to get the tablets to get the law on, when he was there... When he had those tablets written on, when he went back to the people, Moses was shining so bright and he hadn't even been near. He had just been in God's, been close to God. This is the God who is now Jesus walking around, talking, touching, loving, caring, And every now and then, John shows us the power of God, a window of heaven opening up, and his power is manifest. Yet, they are able to see him, talk to him, and touch him. So this was why they were confused. Wait a minute, how can he be I am and he's here? How can it be? So John takes layer by layer, showing how that all the time that that I am that was in the Old Testament is Jesus. How all the things that they've held in fear and reverence to do with Moses and Jacob's well and the temple and all those things, he says, that was Jesus. It's him. So we go to John chapter 6 and we see the first of first time that Jesus said I am and he says that he is I am the bread of life and this is immediately following Jesus feeding the 5,000 okay so again John pointing this is him but actually in the early part of John chapter 6 it's when they finish feeding and then they cross over and Jesus comes to them, comes to the boat, walking on the water. Can you see John here saying, you know, you're so excited about the manna, you're so excited about Moses. Here's Jesus feeding 5,000 and now he's not parting the water, he's walking on the water. He's drawing the line, matching the dots. He is, I am. And when Jesus is coming to them on the water, he says, don't be afraid, it's me. It's me. And there are many other times through John that he just says, it's me. Can you see me? Surprise, it's me. But in in verse um, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He makes it very clear, you know, that they held Moses in such awe. Jesus is saying, I'm not a prophet. I'm not another Moses. I'm not giving you bread. I am the bread. I am the life. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is the heavenly reality. They had been experiencing the earthly reality of the manifestation of God happening here and there. But now God is here. 
I am. That's what the name means. I'm here. I am here. Without Jesus, there is existence, but there is no life. Life both in this time and in eternity. There is no life without relationship with him. The word made flesh. Sadly, people were still looking at the sign and not what the sign was pointing to, which is him. I am. I am here. Let's not miss Jesus by only looking at what he can do for us. Let's make sure that we're seeing him as the giver of life, the bread of life. And let's not think that we can live this life without him in our own self-sufficiency. We need that bread to live life, both now, an abundant life now and for eternity. So let's just jump to uh, chapter 8. And you'll be pleased to know I'm not doing all seven. I'm leaving some for the other people that are preaching in the next few weeks. Praise the Lord, someone said that. (laughs) Chapter 8 says, it's the story of the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus, after this story, says, I am the light of the world. And you think, what's the connection here? When he wrote on the ground, when those people brought this woman who'd been caught in adultery to him, he wrote on the ground and the accusers left. Because Jesus is saying, I am truth, I am righteousness, but I am justice. Yeah? They go together. Truth, righteousness and justice. And Israel was meant to be the light of the world a light to the nations, but they were just bringing darkness at this time. Condemnation, judgment and darkness. And is Jesus saying, oh, there's no punishment for sin by saying to this woman, uh, go and sin no more? Or is he saying that there is life in a new way and go? I forgive you, go, go and sin no more. The light speaks of truth. Truth can be accepted or rejected. For some, light is bad, bad news, because it exposes them. But there's no escaping light. Dark cannot run from it. And I'm reminded here about that radiance that uh, was experienced in Exodus 34 by Moses when he, after being on Mount Sinai, it says his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. That's verse 29, if you're taking notes. Because Jesus is not a reflection of light. He is the source of light. I am. He heals the blind man and gives him sight just after this. Light, life. They go together. When he gives him his sight, he gives him his life. When he gives us his light, he gives us life. The question is, am I bringing light or darkness to my world? Am I bringing judgment or am I bringing light and life? Is God's light drawing me closer or does it repel me? Light is all about truth and justice and Jesus is that light. 
Even in Exodus 34, this is not a new thing to find out about God. If we look at um, verse 5, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood with them and proclaimed his name, the Lord. There's his name. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. He's always been this God. He's not a different God. It's the same God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Then there's chapter 10 we get to, and we've got, I am the gate. Now, there is no other entrance into abundant life except through this gate. And this gate is Jesus. No other way. He's talking about um, sheepfolds, whether in the village at night, the sheep that came back to the village, they would all have to be in together and there would be a guard on the sheepfold and that guard had a key. Next morning, all sheep all muddled in together, guard comes, open, shepherd calls, sheep follow. That's the picture that we have in chapter 10. I'm being brief and to hopefully you can follow what I'm saying. Many have come before with thieves and robbers and the sheep didn't listen to them. But Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The term go in and come out is the term of safety and security. It's something God has always offered his people and he offers us today. In the field, when they had a walled fold, there was a a rock wall. There was no gate except the shepherd lying across the entrance. That shepherd would sleep across there to protect and make sure that nothing came in that shouldn't be coming in and nothing could get out. It was all about safety and security. And when it comes to a city gate, it is the king who leads the nation that can bring them out and lead them in through the gate. So all of these thoughts are tied up in this scripture where he says, I am the gate. But don't be fooled. There is no other way to God than through Jesus. No other way. And there are many voices and many people trying to tell you that there are other ways, but there is only one way. And, you know, sometimes we think that maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe there I, you know, I have struggled with shame at times and I feel like Many times the enemy's sort of sown a thought into my mind, maybe you could just sneak in the back door of heaven. You know, like no one will notice and, you know, let's just go in that way. Go around, go around the back. And Jesus says to us, there isn't any other way. And it's not about you. It's not about merit. Don't be tricked by thinking that you're not enough to go in. It's because of Jesus He's the gate and we walk in with him. We hear his voice and we know him. He is the way. We can't earn our way to God. We go through the gate and Jesus is that gate and he welcomes us and wants to take us, each one. 
And then the last of the that I'm doing today is uh, he says he is the good shepherd, which is in chapter 10 also, but we've touched on that. The sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. When God says my name, there is nothing more beautiful than when he says, Janet, let's go. Let's do this. Let's walk this way. It's wonderful to hear his voice and know his voice and experience Jesus as our shepherd. But you know, in the in this old covenant, the king, the best kings were the shepherd kings. Not the ones that whipped the people, but the ones that led the people. Jesus leads us. So we need to know his voice so we can go where he leads us and we don't listen to other voices. The underlying theme of John is that Jesus is I am and every layer gives us life. Everything we hear about him, everything we know about him, he is the giver of life. It's all about life. There the seven times where he just says, it's me. You know, in case you haven't noticed, I'm here, it's me. In 426, it's me who is to be worshipped in spirit and truth, sitting on Jacob's well. On 620, he's walking on the water. Moses parted it. I walked on it. 8.24, who has been sent from above to save you from your sins? He is the saviour of the world. 8.28, I am who does nothing but what his father tells me, tells him, claiming to be God's son. 8.58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And 13.19, whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. But I want to jump to the one in John chapter 18. And here he is in the garden. Not only is Jesus the gate for the sheep and the shepherd of the sheep, but here in John 18, he is the Lamb of God. He lays down his life. You see, in John chapter 18, they brought an army to arrest him. And he says, just simply, when they say, uh, he says, who is it you want? And they, they say, um, Jesus of Nazareth. And he replies, I am he. And guess what? They all fall over. Right then and there, Jesus, for one more time, says, it's me. You think you can bring your army to take me? You can't take me. But at the very moment that his power was completely exposed and they all fell over, he says, who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I told you, I am he. If you are looking for me, if you are looking for me, then let these men go. He's caring about his disciples and he gives himself to them. They couldn't take him. He gave himself. He was saying, I am the man you're looking for. There is only one God. I am he, and right now, I am giving myself for the world. I am the bread of life. 
I am the light of the world, the gate and the shepherd, and right now I am handing myself to you to be taken and to die for the sins of the world. So we've learnt that Yahweh, I am, in John, is the same Yahweh as in Exodus. But there's just one more little thing that really blessed me when I was reading this. And that's back in John 13. Because we talked about the fact that when Moses saw I am, he had to take the sandals off his feet because it was so holy and he couldn't come close. And when he was in the, up on the mountain, he had to be protected from God. But in John 13, the people had their sandals off their feet and Jesus washes their feet. This is the same I am that they couldn't come near. He's washing their feet. And that so blessed me that he is here. He is present. He is our saviour. That great, awesome creator God became the word made flesh and became our saviour. Philippians 2 verse 9 and 10 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. How beautiful is that scripture? And Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Is he the one? Yes, he is. He is our I am. He is everything we need. He is our sufficiency. He is our shepherd. He is the one who loves us, gives us light and life. Can we recognise his voice as he calls us? Can we come to him and let him wash our feet? He is the one that has been written about. Believe on him and you will have life in his name. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you sent your son, the great I am, the creator, the word made flesh, and he came. No one could take him, but he gave himself. And his love for us and his compassion for us is so great that all he can do for us is give us life. All that we receive from him is the bread of heaven, the life of God given to us. I thank you, Jesus, that you came. Lord, we choose today to worship you, exalt your name. You are the great I am, but you are Jesus, God, our Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. We're just going to sing and then I'm going to come back and we're going to challenge and ask you how you want to respond to God today. Praise to the Lord.
today that when Jesus says I am that we need to respond in one way or another we either accept who he is and we want to receive the life and the light that he's giving or we reject him but I pray today that you will receive him and I'm just going to ask right now if there's anyone who would like to receive from him who would like to be know that light and that life that Jesus is bringing. We have that opportunity right now. I am is present now. He is. I am. Our Saviour, Jesus. So if you would like to do that today, you can just indicate that to me with a show of your hand and we can pray for you. I am happy to be over on this side here and there are others who can pray with you. So I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. And you have that opportunity right now to give your life to him. Father, we are aware of our need of you. Right now I come. I bow before you, Jesus, the name above all names. I thank you that you died, you gave yourself for me and that now I can receive life. As I give my life to you, you give your life to me. Thank you right now for coming, for giving me all that I need, your bread, your life, your light. And I walk from this day forward as your child. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen.